Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Shutting our mouths and opening our ears and listening for him and actually opening this book. I think the key for a lot of people and why they don't feel the presence of the Lord is because they haven't opened this thing in quite a while. When I sit down and when I open up the word and when I spend time praying with the Lord, he is present. Whether I feel that, whether I get goosebumps or not, whether I speak in tongues or not, he's present at all times. Somebody intentionally ignoring you is probably one of the more annoying feelings you can feel. In today's message, Pastor James says that sometimes we can feel like God is ignoring us. He challenges us by asking when the last time we read the Bible was. When you're not actively in God's Word, you're not able to hear from Him. He can't speak to you if you aren't fully surrendered to who He is. Next time you feel like there's silence from God, ask yourself, when was the last time I read my Bible? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 11 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Right, so Moses is walking through the camp, and at every single door, so to speak, of people's tents, all they're doing is whining and complaining to him, essentially. Like, Moses, what's on the menu tomorrow? Oh, wait, let me guess, manna, right? And he's like, oh, seriously, like, how many of you are there? Like a million? Do I have to hear this joke all the time? And he's just done. Moses is done. He is a leader who can take no more. Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arm like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. That's like the chant he was hearing as he's walking through the, the village. Give us meat, give us meat, right? And he's like, ah, oh, stop. Wait, they like, stop it. <laughs> hey, side note, when did God tell them they couldn't go hunting for food? He never did. He never did. Sounds like they got really comfortable for being handed stuff all the time. He never said they couldn't go hunt for, for meat. You want meat? Go find it. You're in the wilderness, there's the animals out there. You, from chapter 10, you, you reserve that one dude, Moses' brother-in-law, who knows the wilderness like nobody else. He probably could have taken you on some hunting trips. You could have found meat if you really wanted it. But no, 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 oh, no, Moses, you're in charge. You get us meat. You get us meat. If I was Moses, I'd be like, oh, go get your own meat, all right? <laughs> I'm going to eat some manna, and I'm going to enjoy it, <laughs> right? But they're, they're like, give us meat, and, and, and it's just too much. It's the breaking point for Moses, which is actually a good thing in one sense. We, we learned this back in, in Exodus concerning Moses and his father-in-law, and, and Moses, Moses is dealing with all the people. Like, it's just too much for him to bear. 
trying to hear all the cases and everything. And his father-in-law had given him some, some instruction of like, you need to raise up leaders, right? And you need to have guys over, you know, guys who can oversee a thousand, guys who can oversee a hundred and some who can oversee 50 and 10, right? Like you need to train up and raise up some guys because Moses, you can't do this all by yourself. So we don't know where that's at in this story, but we know that Moses, has, he's reached his breaking point. Verse 14, it says, I can't carry all these people by myself. I can't carry them all by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Now Moses sounds a little dramatic, okay? Like Moses, okay, I know they're annoying, but it's not that bad, okay? But he's just like, I can't handle this. Like, I can't bear the weight of this. I mean, you're talking about a million plus people. I can't even imagine what that's like. Like that, I mean, there's there's pastors who pastor churches of like a thousand. You're like, how do you manage? Well, they can't do it on their own. He's like, I didn't call you to do it on your own. There's other people. So, you know, raise up people to oversee this many, this many, this many. So Moses hits his breaking point. And it really was the children of Israel, just the whining about God's provision. And that's what they're doing. They're whining about God providing for them. That's, that's ultimately what they're doing. God is providing for their needs, but it's not enough. No, we want meat. Okay, well, go find meat. No, no, no. We want you to give us meat. Okay, God is gracious. He does not set another fire in the camp. He's going to provide them meat. And sometimes the Lord disciplines us by giving us what we want and what we ask for. Now, that seems contrary, right? That seems like, like counterintuitive. Like, no, wait, he, he disciplines us by giving us what we want? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And you know this if, you, if you've ever had any overlap with small children. Walking around, and I remember hearing this illustration. Both Nellie and I had heard this one point in time. This man and his young child went to a gas station. In the gas station, they sell dolls. They're gas station dolls. They're not good, right? They're not made to last. They're not good, like not high quality things. Well, his daughter wanted one so desperately. And he's like, no, no, if you just wait, I'll take you to the toy store and I'll get you a better doll. No, no, I have to have this one. And so he gave her that one. She settled for less, and it ultimately teaches her a tremendous lesson. And he, the Lord does it to us as well. We're, we're asking God, like, you've got to do this for me. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And he's like, okay, I can if you just wait, but okay. It's, it's always better to just, just wait on the Lord. Don't complain about daily bread. And just focus on what you have right now, okay? Focus on what you do have. Commit, you know, the desires of your heart to the Lord. I, I believe, yeah, he knows those things. He knows us. He's so good. He's so much better at being a father than what we realize, I think. So commit everything to him. He knows just like, okay, Lord, I, I just, I'm going to surrender this to you. I've, I found myself this week praying this constantly. I'm very skeptical, just naturally skeptical. That's just who I am. So when I hear things going on, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Revival in college, I'm like, eh, Maybe. I don't know. Here's what, but I, studying through this passage of scripture, it's taught me like, okay, Lord, like that's bubbling up to the surface. 
will you just skim that off of me? Like, I feel like you're refining me. And so I'm, as I'm hearing stuff, I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, and when I notice I start to complain about it, I just immediately, what I've been trying to practice this week, very specifically today, it's been a lot of it. I don't know why, but I'm just actively like, okay, Lord, we just take that. Whatever that is, we just take that. Like, I, I don't know. So, but God, if this is something that is inside of me that, that is dishonoring to you, then you're allowing it to come to the surface. I'm asking you to skim that off of the top, Lord. Because you know what? Turn that fire on me if need be, because there's a lot of junk inside me that I'm just not even aware of. So like, yeah, if it comes to the surface, I'm just, one thing I'm trying to practice more of is like, and especially if it's negative in that sense, I just, I'm just trying to like, Lord, just take that. Okay, it came to the surface, Lord. I came out of my mouth. Okay, Lord, can you, will you just take that from me? Because I don't know what that's attached to. And if there's more there, then let's get it out. Let's just get it out. Because I, 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 I want to be cautious in all things. I want to be rightfully judging all scenarios. But I also want to check my heart because this thing is desperately wicked. And I, I don't want to dismiss people or things happening because of my skepticism. So if it comes to the surface, I'm just like, okay, Lord, will you just take that? I, I have that vision of, you know, that pot of like liquid, you know, just a metal that's been melted down and, and the, you keep it on the fire because the, the impurities raise to the surface and then you skim it off. That's a refiner's fire. And so that's actively what I've been trying to practice this week is just, okay, Lord, whatever's coming up, just skim it off because I don't want that in me. I don't want it in me. And that's something that I'm trying to do as well with complaining. If there's a complaint that comes, that surfaces in my life, I'm like, okay, Lord, will you just skim that off of me? Like, please, I just, I just want to be thankful. I, I just want to be thankful for what you've given me. Because I, I have a struggle. With, I, I, it's really a struggle for me to be grateful, to be thankful. But when I am thankful, it changes everything. The complaining goes down. So I want to have a heart of gratitude, just gratitude. You know, and there's things happening in this world that, like, I don't understand, and I don't know. I don't know the whys and all that stuff. I don't know. But you know what I do know? Man, the Lord has saved me. He has saved me. And each and every day, I get to wake up to manna. I get to wake up to a miracle each and every day. And so, Lord, I, I want to embrace that. I want to go for that. And there's still a lot of junk inside me that needs to be brought to the surface and skimmed off. But just keep me from going down that path of just complaining and murmuring and all that stuff. Here's the solution to the problem. It's found in the next portion of Scripture here, starting in verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, gather before me 70 men who are recognized as leaders. Not 70 men who are potential leaders. No, 70 men who are recognized as leaders. And leaders of Israel, bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. What's fascinating is the Sanhedrin consists of 70 men plus one leader. So it's interesting that maybe this is the origin of that. Don't know, but it's probably where they got the idea. So he's like, give me 70 guys, Moses. Confirmed leaders from the group, and they're going to stand with you. Here's what's cool about this. He says, I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, 
and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. This is amazing. So Moses finds 70 men who are recognized by the Israelites as leaders, not people who want to be leaders, people who are identified as leaders. That's the difference, okay? There's a lot of people who want to be leaders. But if the crowd doesn't recognize them as a leader, there's a good chance they're not one, okay? I'm not saying we base everything off of crowd, but if there's leaders, people will, will recognize that. They'll see that because character counts, right? And again, remember that thing, like what's in here will work its way out of your mouth. That's both good and bad. That's both good and bad. He's going to take some of the spirit that is on upon Moses, and he's going to spread that out over 70 dudes. What's cool about that is it's one spirit. It's one spirit. Don't get some different kind of spirit, because that would be contrary to what the word says. It's the same spirit. It's the same spirit. And then you get this fascinating story. We're going to get there, but it's like, when that happens... You got like book of Acts stuff happening in Numbers chapter 11. This is why we read the whole Bible, okay? This is why we read the whole Bible. Verse 18, say to the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. There you go, right? That's like a, yeah, there you go. There's there's your your life verse for some of you, right? You're like, for tomorrow we will have meat to eat, right? That seems like a good men's conference kind of uh, theme verse or something. I don't know, but you were whining, And the Lord heard you when you cried, oh, for some meat, or who will provide us with meat? We were better off in Egypt. Well, wait a minute. We were better off in Egypt. Okay. Oh, how how quickly we're deceived by our flesh. Right? I mean, wait, you, you just, like, it wasn't that long ago. You were just running for your life from Egypt. The Pharaoh and his army chasing after you. Oh, those are the good old days, weren't they? Like, what? No, like, no. Like, you remember the last part of your stay there, they doubled your workload and decreased your materials and made you go find extra materials. Oh, man, those are the days. That was the best. It really was. It was the best. You're like, are you crazy? Like, it's weird what uh, nostalgia will do for us. It paints this beautiful picture of the past, and you're like, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, you don't remember? Oh, you remember moments that may have been good, but you forget the long portions of time where you were miserable, okay? It says, now the Lord will give you meat. You will have it to eat. Have it to eat. And it won't be for just a day or two or for five or 10 or even 20. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. I was studying out of the New, New American Standard Bible uh, this weekend, which I, I love that translation. It's a good word-for-word word one, but uh, they, the way they translated that was, um, you're going to eat it, you're going to be so stuffed with it, it's going to come out of your nostrils. You're like, oh, that's gross. But he's like, oh, you're going to get meat. Oh, you're going to, oh, yeah, oh, you want that. Okay, you're going to have your fill of it. You're going to have your fill. You're going to be sick of it. It says, for you have rejected the Lord who is here among you, and you have whined to him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Right? So 
This is in, in their whining and in their complaining, what they were doing, the essence of what they were doing was rejecting God. Okay, so complaining and whining is not just a simple, innocent little thing. If you're complaining about God, which is what they were, you are, in essence, rejecting God. So complaining is a serious thing. And I think it's way more serious than what we realize. He says, who is here among you? That's the other part of that. Um, and that, that's something that's key. For these guys, they had, they had the presence of the Lord, a pillar of fire or a pillar of, of smoke, like a cloud. Like they had the presence of God. He was there with them. Good news for Christians, post-resurrection, post-book of Acts. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And I don't even know if you need to know this or not, but the Holy Spirit is God. Third person of a triune God. The presence of God is with you everywhere you go. Oh, we're not feeling him. Well, that's on you. I don't he's there, isn't he? Yeah, maybe you're not hearing him. Maybe that's your problem. And maybe it has nothing to do with our feelings. Maybe it has more to do with our sitting down shutting our mouths and opening our ears and listening for him and actually opening this book. I think the key for a lot of people and why they don't feel the presence of the Lord is because they haven't opened this thing in quite a while. When I sit down and when I open up the word and when I spend time praying with the Lord, he is present. Whether I feel that, whether I get goosebumps or not, whether I speak in tongues or not, He's present at all times. Why are we boxing off God? Like, that's on us. That's not him not like, well, I will show up. But it seems like you're doing pretty good without me. Or at least you think. You have the presence of the Lord with you. You're not always going to get the goosebumps, though, guys. And if you're waiting on the goosebumps, then your faith is going to be pretty weak. It's going to be weak. There's been many times where I've opened up the Word and I just even read like maybe one verse, a couple of verses, and, and I just have to back away because it's just so overwhelming. So overwhelming. And I pray and then tears are happening and that happens sometimes. And that's beautiful. And it's an amazing experience. Then there's other times where I'm reading and reading and reading and reading and praying and praying and praying. And it's like, Hello? You in there? Like, is this thing on? Like, what's going on? Do we stop? No, we don't stop. We don't live for feelings. I love the feeling. It's awesome. I don't live for that. My faith is not contingent upon whether I feel the presence of God or not. My faith is predicated on the fact that he is there. Always. Always. He was with them. And they complained about him. Verse 21, but Moses responded to the Lord, there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me. And yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month. Even if we butchered all of our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? Moses, who are you talking to? (laughs) The guy that just split the Red Sea? Like, okay, right, the manna, he's, he's giving you manna for past two years. Is there anything he can't do? Then the Lord said to Moses, has my arm lost its power? 
Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. He's like, oh, Moses, buddy, I know you're having a bad day. Like, I know you're having a bad day. But have I changed, Moses? Have have I gotten weak? Am I still the same God? Still the same God. Okay. There's nothing I can't do. There's nothing I can't do. And I get it. I, man, I love Moses. Moses is so relatable. Yeah. I have many Moses-type days where I'm just like, Lord, it's too big. It's too big. You can't, I don't think you could do this, God. He's like, I'm sorry, but have I, have I diminished somehow? No, you're still the same. Yesterday, today, and, and forever. Okay, chill out. But I can't. Well, you need to learn how to. He's got it. Same God. And he's like, Moses, I got it. Don't worry about it. Verse 24, so Moses went out and reported the Lord's words to the people. And he gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, <laughs> right. That's where all of the charismatic friends are like, wait, whoa, here's a No, wait, it just never happened again. Why didn't it happen again for these guys? I don't know. They didn't need it. This is like a good confirmation for them and for the people watching that the power of God was upon them. Upon them. Prophesied. What does that mean? I can tell you confidently that I don't know. I'm in good company too because most commentators don't know either. Some people say that this could possibly be like a, a speaking in tongues type of thing. I've heard that. I've read that. That's fine. Other ones think it's just uh, not really prophesying in like they became, they didn't become prophets, but they were proclaiming the word of God, which I kind of agree more with that. Seems to make more sense within the story. And so the spirit came upon them and they began to proclaim the word of God. And it was like, and there's, there's 68 dudes. You said, no, it's 70. No, there's only 68 who showed up. Two other guys. Didn't show up. Oh, but don't worry. The Lord's got them too, right? So I don't know why they didn't show up. But so these guys are proclaiming, they're, they're proclaiming the word of God. They have evidence that the spirit is upon them, which is confirming to the camp, we can trust these guys. The same spirit that was upon Moses is now upon these guys. Verse 26, two men, Eldad and Medad, Eldad and Medad, one of their brothers, had stayed behind the, in the camp. Why didn't you show up? <laughs> That's my question for these guys. They were listed among the elders, but they, uh, they had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet the spirit rested upon them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. Right? Well, what are they doing? They're not doing it right like these other guys. They're in the camp. They can't do that over there. Moses, you got to shut it down, man. Shut it down. Like they're getting too wild and crazy. Shut it down. Moses replies, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all.
This has been another edition of Bread for the Broken, and all of us here are so glad that you joined us today. The message you just heard was from the Book of Numbers, where Pastor James has been camping out. Our existence could definitely be seen as dotted with hills, valleys, streams, and rivers, couldn't it? I wonder if we would realize the evidence of God in our lives if we were to map it out on a piece of paper. You'd see where he showed up and where he corrected behavior or maybe where he changed our course. Numbers is a book detailing the Israelites' desert stay after leaving Egypt. In it, we can see how disobedience and defiance don't go unnoticed. God is patient, but there comes a point when our actions deserve redirection, deserve a consequence. We can't follow God and obey what He says if our eyes are always focused on ourselves or our circumstances. So, what do you think? Are you ready for a shift in focus? Are you ready to find hope and new life in Jesus? If so, we'd love to pray with you and walk through that decision with you here at Bread for the Broken. Just visit us at breadforthebroken.com. Another way that you can connect with us is through our Facebook live stream. It's a great way to connect and learn from afar. We're a laid-back church in Galveston, Texas, that just wants to magnify Jesus at all ages. Will you help us in this mission? On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a donation link. It's easy to use, so we encourage you to check it out. We're so glad that you were able to sit and soak in the words of Jesus today with Pastor James. We look forward to meeting with you again next time, here on Bread for the Broken.